This, 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 we are gathered here today for the Fight Disciples UFC and Boxing Talk. How you doing? Hope you're well. Thank you so much for downloading today's UFC show. Coming up, I do not mince my words when it comes to Daniel Cormier. The motherfucker cheated, right? I don't care what anybody says. He cheated. He balanced on the towel. It's an old um, wrestling trick. My colleague, Nick Pete, doesn't mince his words when it comes to the New York State Athletic Commission. It's, it's like taking the FA Cup to New York City and the referees and the linesmen not knowing the fucking offside rule. Yeah. Or not knowing that, you know, any all the basic rules of football. That's exactly what it's like. It's just a complete and utter... It's, it's obviously being run by fuckwits that know nothing about the sport. <laughs> and as soon as they get it sorted out, the better. And who'd have thought it? My nan, back in the 80s, was a real trendsetter. He's got... A, a set of sunglasses on that me nan used to wear. Do you remember the clip-on sunglasses that you used to have? <laughs> me nan used to wear these big Deirdre Barlow from Coronation Street bingo glasses, bless her, God rest her soul. And then her sunglasses were basically just clip-ons at the top, which flipped down. <laughs> Conor McGregor's got a set of them. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Uh, welcome to episode 92 of the Fight Disciples podcast. Thank you so much. If you are a regular subscriber fightdisciples.com is our website. That's where you can keep up to date with everything that we are doing. There's blogs on there, there's videos on there, and that's where we keep all our podcasts. Uh, You can also subscribe via iTunes through our website, fightdisciples.com. We are on uh, social media, like motherfuckers on social media, man. We are over it, all over it, at Fight Disciples uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yesterday, got a few tweets um, commending me for not swearing on uh, yesterday's show. There you go, wicked. Um, I've already broken that today because I don't want to, the, the swearing uh, brigade not to get their fill. So I'm going to go OTT on today's show. Now, my partner in crime is normally sat right across from me. I'm seeing his pretty little beard normally. However, he's decided that he's got uh, bigger fish to fry today. That's right. Um, I'm sat in our normal studio. He is uh, in his office in London loading it up because he's gone out on the lash. Now, sadly, technology will not permit us to uh, get various satellites in place in enough time for us to make this sound quality absolutely its normal pristine self. So if you've only just stumbled across us, this is not normally how it sounds, this particular show. We do it in our studio. Laughing boy, Nicholas Pete. Is on the phone. This is how we're going to have to do it because there's a, there's a temptation of not doing the show because we are st- we are obviously we're stringent with our uh, sound quality. However, because UFC 210 has so many talking points, we couldn't just fuck the show off, man. We had to do the show, so we've got him. You're sat in your office now, aren't you, Sunshine? In fact, you've actually had to come out your office because there's so much going on in your office. You're sat in a fucking fire escape doing the show. Is that where you are right now? Hello, this this is Luxembourg. <laughs> Are you ready for our points? Exactly. You wouldn't believe where I am sitting right now. I'm literally... Describe it, man. Describe it. Come on. Well, I'm, I'm sitting in a hallway, which is probably about six foot high and three foot wide. I've got a lift right in front of me, so if someone comes out the lift at any second, they're going to get the skip fight of their lives. Because the gem's toilet to my left, probably about seven foot away from my left arm, and my right arm is the office here on Fleet Street in London. Not the best location to be recording, um, that's been short. This is the best sport show at the British Podcast Awards. Yeah. But hey, how you know we've got to save us. We've got to speak to our people. We've got to update them on the comings and goings of the world of the UFC and MMA. And 
you know, you just can't keep us down at them. We've got to get these shows out there, haven't we? Well, th- thank the Lord that the, that the judges at the British Podcast Awards didn't listen to this episode because they'd be thinking to themselves, why, why are they doing it in the bog? Why, why, are, they, why are they doing the show in the toilet? Um, but hopefully we'll get through it because there's so many things uh, to talk about, all right, of which uh, we'll get stuck into right now. And just to confirm, I mean, some people might think we're a bit fly-by-night. Some people think we might be a bit casual and we just say uh, the, the casual fun things. No, 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 ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. Me and Nick went to the boxing in Manchester at the weekend and when the UFC 210 prelim started, Nick stopped watching the actual live action in front of him and decided to get his phone out and start watching the UFC 210 prelims. That's how hardcore this guy is, man. <laughs> he's at a live event and he's still watching the UFC on his phone. That's it, man. You you were locked right in. I was doubling up. We had Terry Flanagan in the background defending his world title and in the foreground I had my phone with UFC Fight Pass player and watching... Uh, Watching Lauzau and against Biblia Banov or whatever that first prelim fight was, and the uh, and the women's bantamweight fight as well. Yeah, mm. so that's we're committed, man. We're we, are, we are committed. Now, listen. There's so the reason for obviously doing this show and not sacking it off this week is because there was so much to talk about, even from the weigh-ins, the pre-weigh-ins, the John Jones press conference, and then obviously fight night itself. There's so many controversial talking points. I'm gonna go to weigh-ins first. We're going to go to Towelgate, okay? Now, yep. we've spoken on many occasions about making weight um, with the, these new rules uh, at the UFC. And and even the bigger boys now are starting to find it a little bit of a struggle. At the, uh, on Friday, people will have seen, um, one, the drama of the, the, the time counting down without DC and Rumble turning up to weigh in. And with two to three minutes to go... They both ended up. They end up making weight, but DC not without controversy. Um, he he initially steps on the scale at two or six point two. I think it was. I think he was a two a pound and two ounce over, and then thirty seconds to two minutes later, he returns uh, and he makes a miraculous weight drop and hits two or five, which is obviously the limit for the light heavyweights. Now. Mate, I don't. I give a shit, right? And normally, I'm quite diplomatic, and uh, I never really slag fighters off too much. The motherfucker cheated, right? I don't care what anybody says. He cheated. He balanced on the towel. It's an old um, wrestling trick. That is what he did. Why did the New York Athletic State Commission? Why did they not pick up on that? Is it because they're new and they're fresh to it, and they don't want to piss anybody off? And maybe they've got instructions that this has to happen because it's a title fight, and we can't have another fight falling off the card, especially with it being around weight. Is that what happened, Nick? Come on, lay me down, man. You're, you're the man in the know. You know this stuff. Tell me what happened because the guy cheated. Listen, it was crazy. It was crazy. I've never seen that before. Someone losing one point two pounds so quickly in literally two minutes. Anyone that didn't see it. This guy is, comes in, there's literally minutes left before the scales are closed. Now, some news that has come out is New York State Athletic Commission, slightly different from everywhere else in the world. I was told that if he, Rumble or Cormier would have failed to make weight in that time difference, because the law is different in New York, they would have got two hours to lose the extra weight, like we kind of see in boxing. Ah. So the fact that they came late wasn't as high... You know, as, as as crazy as what we thought at the time, what the world thought. Yeah, that's it. That wasn't it. Wasn't clear at the time, was it? Because uh, I remember watching the, the stream, and it exactly. was like there was a countdown clock that, on it. That yeah. it became news because because people were saying if you rumble made weight, there wouldn't have been no fights. And they were like, well, we would have had two hours. They're the rules in New York. 
But anyway, he didn't need two hours because he appears. He weighs one pound and two ounces over. Yeah. He goes backstage, doesn't even leave the room, goes behind the screen, behind the scales, re-emerges two minutes later and makes 205 pounds. Now, Owlgate, before we get on to that, the conspiracies have been flying around everywhere. <laughs> Best conspiracy I heard was they lobbed his foreskin off the screen. <laughs> Daniel Cormier's got a massive cock and his foreskin weighed a pound. Brilliant. I love that one. In reality... He came out, he leant on the towel. Now, Cormier has, has, has since said, oh, there's no such thing as this old, you know, wrestling trick about leaning on a towel. Yes, there is. Uh, you know, I was keeping hold of that towel because the first time I weighed in, the guys nearly dropped the towel and nearly flashed me bits to the waiting media and whatever mm, else. Mm. However, everybody else in martial arts, all the other fighters, everyone that's been a college wrestler their whole lives have gone, listen, Daniel, absolute bullshit, mate. We know that's the oldest trick in the book. We know Apart from having someone slightly have their toe underneath the scales behind you, your coach holding onto the towel, putting your body weight over the towel is a great way to lose an extra couple of ounces. Whether he did or he didn't, it's it. Mate, he did. Stop it. Listen, I know that you hold a position of high prestige, right? But 100%, he fucking cheated. He did. Brilliant. Anyway, Brilliant. Uh, we got the fight on, right? Because yeah. we can't have another one dropping off. So we got the fight on. And then the fight, the fight doesn't really live up to expectation Weird. because Rumble decides to do something that none of us saw coming. Like you said last week, listen, Rumble's going to come out and he's going to try and smash the living daylights out of him. I said the exact same thing, but I did think that the fight would go longer and that uh, it would play out like the first fight. Fucking hell. He just, he just handed it to him. Yeah, he just he went, it to him. just take it. Just take me, mate. He must have been getting weighed in big time money-wise because why do that? Well, I've got to hold my hands up. That's that. That's my worst main card prediction. Um, I can I can remember in ten years of writing about UFC. I, I don't remember getting a main card so wrong. I don't think I got a single fight result predicted right last week. <laughs> and um, the bizarre thing is, the Rumble just didn't turn up. Did he? he decided to try and wrestle DC? He wanted to take him down. He was shooting, and it was just like, what the fuck is Rumble doing? At first, I was like, okay, this is a different game plan. This is Cormier. He's not going to expect this. But then, what the hell are you doing wrestling with a two-time Olympic wrestler as good as as good as, as as Rumble's wrestling is? What the hell are you doing, man? It was insane, insane tactics, and it was only it was only gonna end up one way, and that was Cormier getting the submission again and getting the quick finish. So massively disappointing, and then even more disappointing was the fact that Rumble gets on the mic and announces his retirement from from fighting MMA and it was just like oh man it's like one of our favourite fighters yeah you know he's, he's right at stand the up guy. Oh, yeah. he does the stand up we wanted to see him fight John Jones John Jones would have fought him in the stand up John Jones would have gone toe to toe with him this guy could have beat John Jones crazy uh, well, it's a done deal now, and the rumours are obviously now circulating as to what is next for him, and there's a lot of chat about him going into uh, some type of job, whether it even be playing um, for the Rams in the NFL. He's a big boy, and obviously he's got history with that. I just don't Weird. get it. Yeah, I don't get it. Weird. I don't get it. So that's that done, right? We've concluded that DC cheated. I know you've not said it, but I fucking have. Done, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so that's that. What is next now, right? Because DC's obviously getting a little bit lippy in the Octagon. That's the most animated that I've seen him for sometimes. Our boy yeah. Jimmy Manoa's ringside. He's saying, listen, motherfucker, I'm ready. I'm ready for this. John yeah. Jones is stood there. He's going, well, all right, I'll get, I'd, I'd prefer not to because you're boring, but I'll do yeah. it because I want the belt. So what is going to happen next? Well, see, as we know, John Jones is available from July the 3rd, whatever it was. So he's, he's available to fight in that big international fight week 
in Las Vegas on that Saturday night. However, Dana White came out at the weekend and said, John Jones will not headline on yeah. his return. He will not be the headliner. Yeah. That doesn't mean him versus Cormier won't be the co-headline against something, you know, under something like Jones, Bisping uh, versus GSP. Yeah. But they've already confirmed for that Vegas date that the, the one of the main, they haven't said it's the main events, but one of the main events for that July date that I'm talking about is already going to be Cody Garbrandt against TJ Dillashaw yeah. for final for the bantamweight yeah. belt. Hmm. There's no way in the world that Cormier versus John Jones goes under that fight. Yeah. There's just no way. There's only, there's only Bisping GSP, in there? There's only Bisping GSP that goes above it? I would have thought so. And it, it, certainly when you look at where, where we are right now, unless Jones has still got something up his sleeve, and by that I mean, you know, it, it was good that he was at the fight at the weekend and he, he got that conversation going again. I just don't know whether John Jones is going to come back on the right heavy. I've still got this feeling in the pit of my stomach that we're going to see him as a heavy and uh, fight the winner of Stipe Miocic, uh, which is coming up against Junior De Santos. I'd love to see him fight the winner of that, which obviously then opens the door for Jimmy. For me, Jimmy's got to get the next shot at Cormier. Mm. He's got to get the next shot. Mm. I'd rather see John Jones go either back in with Gus Aston. Argument there is that really should be a title fight because it's huge. Best fight in lightweight, light heavyweight history. The rematch you want to, you need to top villain. Um, so then, does Jones come back again? Someone like a Glover Tashira or one of these guys? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Should we move on to uh, the middleweights? Because that had bloody shitloads of controversy all over it. I'll tell you something. New York, they might not get any more blooming UFC. Uh, the state of New York might not get any more any more UFC events because every single time there's something going on there, it just doesn't seem to stack up. And then you get the you get the middleweights now going at it yeah. with uh, Musasi and Weidman. What a farce that was because the fight was actually going quite well and you're thinking, hey, this is quite good. We're getting into this now. The both lads are starting to do what they need to do. And then all of a sudden you have a five-minute break. You've got, I'm going to say this again, Weidman trying to manipulate the system in order to win by disqualification. He wasn't fucking hurt. No. But, but he was trying to manipulate the system, which I thought was a little bit snide. Then you've got a, all this controversy about going to a video referee uh, during the fight, which I've never seen before. I didn't even know that you were allowed to do that. But you know, it, it, it's New York, so I've no doubt that there's some loophole in there which allows you to be able to do it. And then you get a, 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 a TKO uh, awarded to Masasi because his kicks were legal or deemed legal, and uh, Weidman was in no fit state to continue, which, again, is a lot of bullshit. So where, where are we at with this? It's just a complete and utter fuck-up from the Nevada, uh, New York State Athletic Commission once again. It took the UFC 20 years of campaigning to get mixed martial arts back in the state of New York, and two events in, you shouldn't have fucking bothered. Shouldn't have bothered. Because you haven't got a fucking clue what they're doing, and it was a complete <laughs> and utter fuck-up once again. Grief, it started great. First half of Wyvern hits a couple of takedowns. You think, yep, that's your game. That's how you're going to beat Musafi. Second round starts. Musafi starts landing good punches, pushing Wyvern back up against the fence. He's now reading his shot a little bit more, throwing uh, jabs to the stomach and uppercuts to stop him from shooting in. Musafi's winning the second round. Okay, things are getting really interesting. Hits the ground, bounces back up again. Musafi throws that knee. And Wideman's hand just touches the floor as he lands on me. Now, the new rule is yeah, that's it. That if you've got one hand on the floor, you can't. that's not a way of protecting yourself from being kneed in the head. It used to be, though, didn't it? It used hands, to be. We must confirm it. For people that are just hands. new to this, it used to be. Yes. 
It used to be. So fighters used to get caught in like headlocks or in a plumb clinch, like a tight clinch, where the guy has got your both hands around the back of your neck and pulling you down towards your knee. And what it was, it used to be the rule that if one hand was on the floor, so one hand and the soles of both feet, that's three points of contact, yeah. that is a foul. What was happening was people were getting caught in a tight clinch and just putting one hand on the floor yeah. like, to stop people from kneeing them in the face. So they changed the rules and went, like, okay, people, we, we're on to people doing that now. They're, they're bending the rules. So now it's going to be four points of contact. It's only when four, both hands are on the ground and both feet, that's when it's illegal. So what we see at the weekend is Wagman's one hand goes down. Musashi thinks, I think that ain't illegal. Get that stitch. Knees him in the face. Wagman then obviously tries to put the other hand down on the ground and for a brief second it's on the ground. Now, normal time, it did kind of look like Musashi secondly hit him when both hands were on the floor. Obviously, Wagman starts complaining. The referee steps in, says that was an illegal knee. You've got five minutes rest to get your head together, send you to a neutral corner. I'm giving you a little bit of a verbal warning. Be careful, both hands are on the floor. However, Joe Rogan and the guys at ringside who are breaking it down, they're like, fuck it, let's see the replay. They play the replay, and as they play the replay, Musashi pulls Weidman up. He lifts him. And his hand comes off the floor before the knee lands. Hmm. He knew exactly what he was doing. He fucking literally lifted him off the ground. Bump, get that stitch. So they're watching that. They go, right, it's, it's legal. Oh, fucking hell, they're legal knees. So that, that then feeds into the referee, who by this stage is still giving Weidman his five minutes, because you're like an illegal blow, like a groin strike. You have five minutes to recover. Weidman's still making the most of it, lying on the floor. Oh, I'm dazed, I'm hurt. Right, okay. Then they feed back to him. So the referee goes back into Weidman. By now, the doctor's come in as well, and he says to Weidman, they were legal knees. They were legal knees. So what he should do now is, Weidman needs, needs to be told, like, get everyone off the fucking ring. In fact, you don't get five minutes. Get everyone off the cage. We fight on. Would have been the logical answer to do. But because chaos was fucking running around the ring, the medical staff were in there, and they were checking on Weidman. And the referee's still going, like, okay, well, you've, you've got four minutes left. No, you shouldn't have had any minutes left. They weren't illegal knees. They yeah. were fucking legal <laughs> to stop at all so the only resolution then kind of you know, right okay um, if you're not fit to continue and he was saying oh you know I'm still groggy right you're not fit to continue then we're going to have to stop the fight and it's not a disqualification because it's, le- it's legal so we're going to award Musashi the TKO victory and you've lost but obviously and then Wagner and his team are like oh wait a minute you've just told me I had five minutes to recover you're now telling me the le- knees are legal you're now telling me I've got no time to recover but no stage, like the medical team were in there. It was a complete and utter balls up from start to finish. Obviously, Musashi's coming there like, this is not how I wanted to win. Weidman's team are obviously fuming because of the mixed messages coming through. And to make it even worse, it then came out that even in the New York State, they don't allow video replays to, to reflect on matches. So that information should never have been said to the referee. That referee should never have took that into account. He should have gone as initial assessment, which was the leads were illegal and let him have a full five minutes, and let him recover and restart the fight. Kick the fucking medical team out. They've got no business being in there anyway. Get out. You're not necessary. You've had your five minutes. You, you either continue fighting, or you get in, or the fight will be stopped because you, you don't want to fight anymore. That's what should have happened with Weidman. We took the decision out of Weidman's hands and said, I'm stopping the fight. It's TKO. Musashi's won. It was, uh, it was fucking horrific because we were looking forward to that fight so much. Yeah. So much. And for Weidman, now that's three KOs on a spin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, regarding the New York uh, State Athletic Commission, you've mentioned there they campaigned for such a long period of time to get UFC in there because it was banned, it was outlawed there. They managed to get it all sorted. We knew what, with, with Conor McGregor winning what, it, what, what he won there. That was the, the shining light of what has yeah. happened at MSG. However, 
just this week alone, we've just talked about Towelgate. We've spoke about this particular fight, which was a farce. The whole thing with Pearl Gonzalez and her breast implants, where she wasn't allowed to fight one minute and then she's allowed to fight the next minute because in New York, you're not supposed to be able to fight if you've got breast implants. It, it's like it's like the fucking plane edit. It's like, come on, guys. This is a four billion pound bloody franchise. Get your shit together, man. If you want to be at the party, come on, get your shit together because the UFC are just going to go... Fuck that. We'll just do them all in Nevada from now on. Forget it. We're not bothered. Or even that they're fucked up as well. But you know what I mean? They'll go somewhere where yeah. they know that they, from start to finish, it's going to be run properly. It's, it's like taking the FA Cup to New York City and the referees and the linesmen not knowing the fucking offside rule. Yeah. Or not knowing that, you know, any all the basic rules of football. That's exactly what it's like. It's just a complete and utter... It's, it's obviously being run by fuckwits that know nothing about the sport. <laughs> and as soon as they get it sorted out, the better. <laughs> Um, another bad thing, I just mentioned that obviously the UFC is um, a multi-billion dollar industry now with obviously the purchase from WMG, IMG, WME, IMG, should I say. Um, they won't be pleased to hear that their viewing figures were out for the weekend um, and they break it down. They break it down quite nicely. They break it down from prelims to obviously the main fight card to the main event. Prelims do the second worst ratings in two years, man. That's not good wow. news. No, no. Wow. And that was on that was on Fox, was it? The yeah. prelims were on Fox, yeah, yeah, yeah. and obviously the main event was pay per view. Mm. Yeah, but there wasn't necessarily them them kind of marquee names on the prelims though as well. Obviously, uh, my main card predictions last week were absolutely diabolical. But the two guys that I tipped on the prelims at the top of the prelims, Kamari Usman, um, he was absolutely outstanding. One of the performances of the night. Um, and then Miles Jory, I also tipped as being one to watch for all this. Yeah, back and, uh, in, yeah. And he looked awesome as well on his return. But, you know, they were the guys at the top of the prelims. Now, if you look at the prelims for, I think it's the next event, 2-11. Eddie Alvarez the, is on it. Top of the prelims is Eddie Alvarez, you know yeah. what I mean? So I'm sure that'll be far better numbers because there's a little Well, that's it. I was going to bring that up with you, mate, because maybe they've looked at, obviously, the, the trend and they think, listen, we need to put some decent fights on prelims to uh, to to bring people to the party, you know? And the Eddie Alvarez fight, obviously, Eddie, everybody's familiar with what have it. I mean, what a fall from grace from Eddie Alvarez. He's, he's headlining MSG one minute with Conor McGregor, and then the next thing he's, you know, right down at the, the top of the prelims. Card. Yeah, yeah. I know. Crazy. Crazy, but, you know, it's like last year, Uriah Faber was headlining prelim cards at pay-per-view events. So I, I get why they should have a marquee name on the prelim cards, because... You know, if you're watching it in America, we're, we're kind of spoiled here because we just get a lot on either BT or, or UFC Fight Pass. Yeah. But if you're watching that in America and you're watching it on their version of Sky Sports, which is Fox, and you're watching it and you see, um, you know, a marquee name like an Eddie Alvarez, you're like, oh, yeah, what a great fight that was. Oh, I'm going to have to buy the pay-per-view now. Exactly, you know, yeah. It's, it's going to get better now. I've got to buy the pay-per-view. It just didn't have that on Saturday. It just didn't have that kind of appeal. But the main card was, you know, there was a couple of marquee names in there. But, you know, at the end of the day, this... The sport is still growing and, and people attach themselves to certain names and unfortunately at this moment in time, the likes of Miles Jory and Kamari Usman, who I think are going to be future world champions or certainly right up there contending for belts, um, they're just not the names they, 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 they will in the future. But it doesn't surprise me that the viewing figures are slightly down, but uh, they'll, they'll get it back at 2-11, I'm sure. You're listening to the Fight Disciples podcast. Now, there's other news going on in the world of UFC, away from obviously 210. I mean, if you're not all 210 out, because there's so much to talk about, but there's other stuff that has been breaking as well since we lasted our show last Thursday. 
uh, none more so than uh, Kelvin Gastelum. What's this all about? We've been eulogising over this dude. He's been knocking dudes out for fun with me, getting excited about him. Obviously, he got his dream fight. He managed to call out Anderson Silva. They said, let's do Anderson Silva. We're going to make it for UFC 212. Everybody's dead excited about it. Then he gets pulled for smoking dope. You know what I mean? Yep. Come on, bro. Don't mess about. This is a You're a professional athlete. Come on. I know that there's athletes out there in the UFC that do this on a regular basis. You like your Diaz brothers, for example. But come yep. on. You've, you're, you're, you're technically in competition, and that's where the problem uh, lies because he's trading for a fight. It is. It's slightly different here, though, in the US, though, in, in compared to here. And that's the US now. It's pretty much legal to, to smoke to smoke marijuana everywhere. Most states in America now have legalised it. It's very different from what we've what we've got over here in the UK. They've, they've opened their eyes to what marijuana and the threats it actually is, or in this case isn't. Um, but you're right, he's a professional sportsman. Now, we know Nevada State Athletic Commission and California are currently looking at their marijuana laws and looking at whether marijuana should be on the ban list. The big argument is whether it is a performance enhancer or not. Um, Personally, I think for a sport like mixed martial arts, it isn't. Um, Does it not but, reduce pain, though? I don't know whether. I don't know. We should bring a joint into the. Let's bring a joint into the studio next week, and I'll kick you in the box <laughs> once. And then when you recover an hour later, you can smoke half the joint, and then I'll kick you in the bollocks again. And you tell me whether. It's and we'll a, time how quick I recover. Yeah, we'll time yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I personally, I don't think it's a pain reliever. What they say is that a lot of jiu-jitsu guys high level uh, smoke marijuana it's just like a real culture with jiu-jitsu fighters um, that they smoke a lot of dope and the reason they do it is because they say it kind of centers them and you know, helps them concentrate and it puts them into a little bit of a you know that mind state where it's like more about the body and fluidity and movement and everything else so what you find there's a lot of the gracies and the hardcore you know uh, Diaz brothers you Bravos, just mentioned yeah. Yeah, Diaz and all boys. these guys they, they all smoke a ton of weed you know the Diaz brothers obviously that's what it means so um, quite surprising that Gaston because he's not necessarily from that kind of background but then you know these, these guys mixing these things it's all legal in California now anyway where he's based out of so it's um I honestly think in a couple of years' time, they won't even be testing for marijuana. I think marijuana won't be on the ban list. No one will give a damn whether you've had a drink the day before a fight or not. Um, I think in this instance, obviously, Gaston's a fool because right now it's, it is on the ban list. He can't do it in competition. So he's missed out on the, the money fight. The biggest fight of his career would have mm. been Anderson Silva, Brazil. And he's missed out on that opportunity now. Now, I've seen that Luke Rockall reckons he was offered the fight by the UFC. Anderson Silva's massively distanced himself from that fight. Um, and then we were talking about possibly Vita Belfort 2 happening in Brazil, which got us all mildly giddy yesterday because obviously from their first fight, we wanted to see a rematch in Brazil as well. The Brazilian fans were the lap up. But this morning, um, Anderson Silva's distanced himself away from that fight as yeah. well. So it's only interesting to you to actually pull out the bag for Anderson for this event in Brazil. Um, there was talk, I heard, that Anderson would rather Real Romero. I can't. If you're going to turn down Luke Rockhold and Vita Belfort, I can't see him accepting a fight with Yoel Romero. Yeah. Um, but anyway... That's not happening, man. That's not happening. I think... I don't think... I, I don't think um, Yoel will take it unless there's an interim belt on there, man. That's where he's at, yeah. isn't he? He's focused 100% on, on belts now. He wants Bisping. He wants Bisping's belt. And unless they stick an interim belt on there, which then obviously puts him next in line to 100% fight Bisping rather than people... Uh, talking yeah. shit to him. That ain't going to happen. I well, think... Of course, GSP's gone off the reservation as well, hasn't he, since they did that press conference. We've heard fuck all from him. There's like yeah. no dates still put on the table. Um, 
you know, again, it's like, is ESP even going to come back or has he just been spinning with his arm once again? We just don't know. I think I think Yoel would rather just wait what happens there because obviously if GSP doesn't confirm his return in the next six months, then Bisping will fight Yoel Romero. So Romero will talk to fight Anderson Silva. But if that fight was confirmed, then I'm sure Romero would fight Anderson Silva happily because he's still the biggest scalp in that middleweight division. It's it's definitely going ahead because the other press conference yesterday where uh, Anderson Silva faced off against himself, which is um, yeah, exactly. which is always a good thing. So we're waiting for an opponent for that. What do you reckon about a return from Nick Diaz? That that could be the one, couldn't it? Oh, that's what, no, that was the other one. Sorry, Romero and Nick Diaz would do that. Anderson wants for the fight. You know, you know. Do we need to see Anderson? One sec, Nick. One sec. Signal's gone there. Signal's gone. Any good now? Speak. Any good? Yeah, go on. Do we really need to... Hello? Yeah, go on. Go for it. Do we really need to see Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz too? You know, the first fight was fun and everything else, but, you know, Anderson's a fully-fledged middleweight and Nick Diaz is basically a blown-up welterweight. I don't think we need to that fight again as much fun as it was. And as much as we want to see Nick Diaz just back inside the octagon fighting anybody, uh, I think fight out there for Diaz. I'd rather see Diaz fight GSP and Anderson fight Michael Bisman again. Probably yeah. looking amateur. But uh, but yeah, it doesn't surprise that Anderson's mentioned that fight again as well because they're they're, they're the level of opponents. You know, the Nick of these this world and everything else. Guys who are like Anderson who are on their way back down and they're the fight type of opponents I would expect for Anderson Silva. Not Rockall, certainly not Yol Romero. Um, and, you know, in this instance, certainly not Kevin Gastelum. I was surprised and the team Anderson even accepted the Gastelum fight, maybe because, like Diaz, he's a blown welterweight, so I don't know, but be interesting to see who they come up with now. This is the Fight Disciples podcast. Subscribe now via the iTunes store. Sticking with the middleweight division, I was a little bit alarmed to hear that one of my favourite fighters in this particular division, uh, Jack Array, who is fighting Rob Whittaker, um, and that will be his last contracted fight, man. I mean, at this moment in time, he's on. Well, he's, he's he's one of the main boys. He's in that top five. I would anticipate that. Obviously, Yol's next. I would maybe throw Jackare in there as second when it comes to uh, middleweight world titles. Um, and he's and the, are they going to let him walk away? Are they going to try and get a deal done? What's going to happen, man? I can't see them letting him walk away. It's a slightly different situation than than Ryan Bader. Obviously, Ryan Bader, he's had chances to get to the light heavyweight belt in the UFC and he's fallen short at the final hurdle, not once on numerous occasions. So it didn't surprise me when he left to go over to Bellator because he, he could do with the, the, the fresh opportunity and the new police of life that Bellator offers. Certainly the new lineup of opponents. The difference with Jackery is the UFC just aren't giving him the opportunities that he likely deserves. He probably isn't active as, as much as he'd like to be. But he's certainly got the ability, Jack Array, to win the title on his day. You know, he's probably the best middleweight in his world. Certainly got the best, best ground game of any middleweight. Best jiu-jitsu, isn't he? He's unbelievable on the deck. Exactly. So um, I can't see the UFC letting him go. But what he's done is he's got himself into a position that he does. He beats Robert Whittaker, which is no gimme. No, Whittaker's wicked, man. I love him. I think Whittaker's wicked, yeah. yeah. I think he's been amazing. But if he can beat Robert Whittaker, he then goes into negotiations with the UFC. Not necessarily all the money. But I think he's kind of he can then force them into giving him a title shot because he deserves a title shot. He's been waiting around for so long. Um, like Romero, these guys are, are completely utterly deserving. I think that's what will be top of Jackie Ray's negotiations. It'll be like, listen, I signed this new contract. Me, I've got to have a title fight in the next one or two fights. 
I, I think the UFC have got to commit to that. It's like, again, different from Ryan Bader. I don't think the UFC really lost any sleep on Ryan Bader deciding to go over to Bellator. I think Jack Array won't be allowed to negotiate with anybody. I think they'll lock him down. I think if he beats Whitaker, even if he loses to Whitaker, they'll probably tie him into a, to a fresh deal because he's, he, you know, he's certainly one of the best, best middleweights on the planet and arguably... In a lot of people's eyes, the best middleweight on the planet. So they won't let him go. They won't let Jacare go. Uh, you mentioned Uriah Faber's name a little bit earlier on when we were talking about headliners and headliners that fall from grace. Obviously, he's now retired as Uriah. Uh, nice little announcement at the start of this week saying that he will be entered into the Hall of Fame in July. That's a nice touch. It is a nice touch, yeah. And, uh, you know, from a, from a UK perspective, I would have loved to see Brad Pickett get a little bit of love there as well. Um, Obviously, Brad was never WEC champion, everything else, but I think he's provided as much entertainment as as, uh, as Uriah has over the years. Uh, that's not any slight on Uriah's, obviously, getting that opportunity because he fully deserves it as well. He's been a real pioneer for the sport and he's done so much, in, not just in the, inside the octagon, but outside of it as well with his, with his brands, um, you know, in his business acumen. So uh, I think it, it was probably a, a really easy decision by the UFC to give him that opportunity. I'd just love to have seen Brad Pickett get a little bit of love as well. Also, in any other news, you mentioned um, what's going to happen regarding Bispin and GSP. If anybody's listening to this show on a regular basis, uh, you'll know that Nick has a bit of a, um, an axe to grind with GSP because he's written that many articles over the last God knows how many years about GSP's return and then GSP's let him down. Four years. Yeah, Four he's, years. He's bitter, man. You need to be better than that. You're better than that, Nicholas. Come on, let that bitterness go, my friend. However, um, he is right. He's starting to piss me off a little bit because they haven't made this date. What's happening? Bispin's talking about it on a regular basis. Why they're not making the date? Dana White has now come out and he said, listen, if I get my way, this is Dana White speaking, if I get my way, it'll be UFC 213. What do you mean if you get your way, Dana? You're the boss, man. Get in there and just say to GSP, stop pissing about. You've allegedly been training. Yeah, you've been training for God knows how many years. Let's just get it on, man. Let's do it. Sign the contract. Here's the date. Well, the contract, I believe, is signed. It's just that they haven't finalised the date. Let's do the date and let's get the fight on because Bisping wants it. Um, the fans want it. All we're waiting for now is GSP. Yeah, I think it'll probably end up in Canada. They'll probably do it in Canada if it happens. But uh, again, it's it's just so it's so difficult to get excited about any GSP fight because I've been doing it for three, four years now, and uh, it's never came to light. And I don't see any reason why, even though they did a head to head and they did a press conference, I still don't see any reason to believe this is going to happen as well. Um, I can see, I can, I think now there's more chance of Bisman fighting Romero. Uh, this year than Bisping fighting GSP if I'm totally honest but we we hope I would love to see GSP come back I think it's a great fight for Bisping massive opportunity for him to absolutely 100% just put the cherry on the cake of what's been a stellar 18 months for Bisping hmm. and uh, I think if, if GSP goes into that fight less than 100% and by that I mean GSP of old not, not GSP now but GSP of four years ago he's got to be as good as he was on his best at his best or even better, to beat Michael Bisman, because Michael Bisman's got some of the best takedown defence in the UFC. He's got some of the best boxing in the UFC. And he'd be the bigger man than GSP. That's it. He's the nat- that's that it, that's, it. that's it for me, man. He's the natural middleweight. We're talking about a exactly. geezer that is a, a one, once upon a time a welterweight king, you know? That's what we're talking yeah. about. Exactly. For GSP to come back and target Bisman, you know, he's got under Bisman's skin a little bit as well. I don't blame him. You know, there's a... There's a welterweight champion there that's been calling your name out ever since he knocked out Robbie Lawler. You, you don't want a piece of Tyron Woodley. 
get your, your your fancy yourself to come back as a middleweight to beat up Michael Bisping. You know, if if Luke Rockhold was the current champion or Jacare the current champion, I doubt GSP would come back and start calling out for those guys and get mm. a fight with those guys. You know, we'd probably still be talking about GSP sitting on the shelf. But because he sees Bisping as something of an easy target, I think that's why he's coming back. He's going to win that. He thinks he's going to win that belt quite easily. And then he can pick and choose the super fights, probably against Anderson Silva, who's, who's the shadow that he once was. I get what G- Team GSP's plan is. I just don't think it's going to be as easy as they believe to beat Michael Bisping, especially after the momentum he's got from the last 18 months. To finish the show, we have to talk about Conor McGregor because that's what we do every single week. He is the, the shining light. He's ledge the, man. He's, he's the, the legend. He's the beacon. Um, of course, I've been in, I've been in London for most of the week. Well, I mean, this is what I was going to bring this up with you, right? Because house parties in Heighton. That's it. You have um, obviously been grafting away down in London. Your home city has played host to Conor McGregor. I thought that he was just coming in and going home. That's what I thought he was doing for the Grand National at the weekend. Oh There's no! There was misses. <laughs> Conor McGregor is still in Liverpool. He's still in. Oh. Massive, he's just it's like mental. like you just said he's been knocking about with people that we know he's been going to random parties he's just him and his crew are just on the lash maybe he's just getting it all out of his system before he comes a dad mate that's what it is isn't it I think so yeah yeah he's been on like a three or four day bender ever since the Grand National and uh, he's been popping up at house parties up and down the suburbs literally two minutes away from where I live my wife's family are all, uh, all living in Heighton and uh, it's around you know he's been partying around the corner from where they live kind of gutted that I'm down in London because I would love to bounce into a house party and see Conor McGregor there. But uh, but yeah, I think so. And you know what? People are giving him shit on social media. Oh, you're supposed to be a role model. You shouldn't be behaving like this. Back in, he's a young guy. He's a multi multi millionaire. We love him for who he is. I love the fact that he's been partying in Liverpool. He stayed beyond probably he expected to stay. And he's been going to fucking house parties and partying with fans because the people who were at them parties, the people who were drinking out of his pockets, if you like, they're bought in now. They're Conor McGregor fans for everyone in a day. And I think everyone else can relate to that. It's kind of, this is the kind of shit that Ricky Hatton probably did in his heyday. Yeah. The fact that he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire, probably the most wanted sportsman on the planet right now, just makes it fucking even cooler. Imagine if you're having a house party on a on a whatever, a Tuesday night because your mum and dad have gone down to bingo and fucking Conor McGregor rocks up. Fast. <laughs> Love it. Listen, this is how big Conor McGregor is, right? Um, for those that are listening worldwide and aren't necessarily UK-based, the Grand National, the biggest uh, horse race in the world, happens in Liverpool, obviously, once a year. And at the weekend, Connor and his mates rocked up. Now, the area that they were had seats for and were residing, there is an extremely strict dress code. We're talking about an event that the Queen attends, right? That's what we're talking <laughs> about, yeah? So the, the dress code in these suites are very, very... I mean, they are meticulous. If you turn up with a rock... Suits and tweeds. Oh, mate, it's serious. Exactly. It's cravats, it's hats, it's traditional English bollocks, right? Conor McGregor rocked up at the week. His mates, fair play to him, his mates all had tuxedos on, the full kit and caboodle, they were all rock and roll because there's no way that they'd have got away with it. However, the baddest man on the planet rocks up, yeah, with an opened button shirt. He didn't even tie his shirt up, yeah? He's got the big gorilla tattoo on full floor. He's got... A, a set of sunglasses on that me nan used to wear. Do you remember the clip-on sunglasses that you used to have? <laughs> me nan used to wear these big Deirdre Barlow from Coronation Street bingo glasses, bless her, God rest her soul. And then her sunglasses were basically just clip-ons at the top which flipped down. <laughs> Conor McGregor's got a set of them. 
And he rocks up, rocks up. Oh, mate, he rocks up in his roller. He rocks up at the... uh, White pants. Oh, mate, unbelievable. And not one of the absolutely gigantic security guards, not one of them said a word to him. Yes, Conor, me. Yes, Mr. Gregor. After, After wherever you want to go. He runs Liverpool for the day. Unbelievable. It was amazing. Of all the people that attend the Grand National, you know, there's, there's all kinds of VIPs and helicopters flying in. Royalty, mate. Out. Royalty. The royal fucking family are there. And he don't give and a yeah, shit. He's the one that jets in on a private jet into, into John Lennon Airport and has a fleet of white Rolls Royces waiting for him. And those Rolls Royces, by the way, were parked outside numerous nightclubs throughout yeah. his four-day bender. All night. They were just parked outside waiting for him to be finished inside and then, oh, take him somewhere else. He uh, is class, man. I thought it was brilliant. I think if, if anything, you know, I, I hate all this negativity that he's got and people going, oh, you know, he shouldn't be behaving like that. He should be doing this. And, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not good for him or the sport. Fuck that, man. He's a young man. He's enjoying himself. He's, part, he's about to become a dad, so he's going to be changing nappies and staying up all night. We know all about that. I don't, in no way, have I got any slight Yeah, In fact, the opposite. I think even more of him now. I yeah. love him even more. I he's think the, he's fucking awesome. He's the people's champion now. He's the man of the people. That's yeah. it, isn't it? Of course he is. Of course he is. He's uh, just richer than all of us. That's it, man. That's it. I'm just jealous that, uh, one, I wasn't in Liverpool when all this was happening, so therefore I could Me get too. over there and I'm get amongst it. I wasn't with him, yeah. I'm yeah, just yeah. jealous. I, I wasn't partying alongside. As he refers to himself on uh, his Instagram, the Irish Beatle. You know what I mean? <laughs> that is confidence, isn't it? That's confidence. He's the, he's the only person that could get away with it, as well. He's the only person. So oh, funny. Unbelievable. Conor McGregor. Probably still in Liverpool. In fact, when you get back at the weekend, I bet you're still here. I bet you're still Probably. partying. Probably, yeah. I'll probably walk through my front door on Thursday night and be fucking sitting there with the wife drinking a bottle of champagne. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Your little lad's had a, a chest tattoo. Yeah, he's, he's had that done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, my man, absolute pleasure once again to do the show. Thank you so much if you uh, listen on a regular basis and subscribe to what we do. We are on fightdisciples.com. Go there. All our episodes are there. Nick will be back in the studio next week. Yeah. We've got an action pack week. week. to talk about uh, Demetrius Johnson's fight this weekend. We'll have a little break next week, can't we? When, we've got a, when we're in the studio. Oh, well, we need to do it justice. We need to do it justice. Yeah, of course we do. Yeah, DJ, the man that is on an absolute tear at this moment in time, but not getting the credit for it because, let's be honest, he's, uh, he's not Conor McGregor. Let's, let's be straight. You know what I mean? He, he, he got that vibe about him, but he's brilliant in the octagon. I'm a huge fan of his and we'll be speaking about him on uh, on next week's uh, UFC show. So go to fightdisciples.com, hit the subscribe button, you'll never miss any of our content. And we are also uh, at Fight Disciples on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.